The quarterfinals between England and France at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar on Saturday night may be a rehearsal for the final, thanks to the better and better growing forms of the two sides. Morocco, which upset Spain in their last game, will look forward to knocking out the other team from the Iberian Peninsula, Portugal. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here. Great to be back.、Hey. So, do you think England and France are now two of the most, the biggest favorites for the World Cup championship? I'd say, at least on this side of the bracket, they're probably the contenders because you get the feeling that so many people are talking about what's going to happen with Brazil and Argentina, who, if they win, will face each other in either the next round or the semi-finals. But people forget that. Then, when you get to the final, there's the other side of the bracket to deal with.、Um, I'm kind of not used to England being spoke of in these terms. It's still, it's still a new、mm. sensation for me, I guess.、Mm. But the thing is, when I look at this team, when I look at what they can do,、um, I can't count them out. You know, I can't look at this England side and look at how they performed in this tournament. Previous tournaments under Gareth Southgate, and I look at them and think, well, you know, this France side—it's very good. Don't get me wrong; it's it's an incredible side. But like the rest of the teams in this tournament, they can be beat.、Mm-hmm. And if England do take a scalp like that, well, there's nothing to stop them. True. Uh, as a football fan, I assume that, including me and also a lot of professional players, we all get a little bit、uh, superstitious when things、mm-hmm. enter the clutch time. Like, don't jinx it, or don't say it before it really happens. Is that how you feel about England now in such a good form, but also in such a cl- clutch time game? Well, it's it's one of those things where, like, because I grew up. With England's success always being something of the past,、yeah. it was always sixty-six.、Mm-hmm. So it was always like historical. And then, you know, the Charlton brothers, Bobby Moore, players like that—they were so of a previous generation. There was kind of like no continuity. Then, like my first tournament I remember fully is France ninety-eight. Oh, and you know Euro ninety-six. I like I I remember I remember the final of Gareth Southgate missing the penalty things like that、mm. <clears throat> in the in the、uh, it was a semi final against Germany. It was one of those things where we were always on the verge. It always felt like, and then with the golden generation, so to speak, which was how that whole era was termed. I would say eight ninety eight till Euro twenty sixteen.、Mm-hmm. Like it was always a case of. Okay, where does this mess up? It was never a case of like, oh, we're really great this year. We're aiming for the quarters. We're great this year. We're going to aim for the final. We have all this talent: Lampard, Gerrard, Beckham, whatever. You know, it was always a case of, well, is Paul Scholes going to be able to get on with Frank Lampard? Is Rio Ferdinand going to be able to hold it together, having to play? You know what I mean?、Mm-hmm. You, you, it was always the situation of the team is going to let you down in、mm-hmm. one way or another. And then it was a complete rebrand, complete refresh, whole new generation of players, and they—you—you you don't get any of that with this team. When they win, it's because they win 
together. They play together. When they lose, it's because they got beat. That's it's true. simple as that. And I'm so used to it being the other way that I am still shocked just by how quick the turnaround was. You know, mm-hmm. you, you think about how badly we were embarrassed in South Africa by, by Germany in that game where it was just route one football, no stress, whatever, for the Germans, and they just tore us to pieces. You go from tournaments like that, getting knocked out by Iceland in the Euros, to getting all the way to semi-finals and finals against great teams and beating great teams on the way. It's, it's still something I'm getting used to as an England fan. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on the front side, Griezmann and Mbappe, which do you think is more dangerous to England? Uh, yes, with, with Mbappe and Griezmann, this is probably the first time I've seen them play together in a way where it feels like they're actually playing together rather than trying to overlap and usurp each other. Because the most dangerous player in terms of who is on the pitch should probably be the guy who's got the most goals. Mm-hmm. But for a long while, you've had Mbappe and Griezmann basically not undercutting each other, but you would have them not really working as a team, be it through the center, up along the left flank, because they're both trying to score the goal. Whereas now, for the first time, they seem to be in a situation where Mbappe will be the number 10, and that's absolutely fine, because Graysman is willing to sit further back and supply the ball, make sure the ball movement is getting to the right place so the goals can be scored. And as we've seen throughout this tournament so far, that's been deadly, basically. That's been the perfect combination, which is to say that almost in a counterintuitive way, Graceman has become the most dangerous player because he is now just always hunting for space, always moving, always setting things up for Mbappe or Giroud or Dembele. And if an opportunity opens for him, well, he'll take it as well. But he's not the old Graceman who wanted to be the star. Mm-hmm. He, he's the Graceman who wants to be the engine room, who wants to make sure the team flows correctly, which, whether that's maturity, whether that's Didier Deschamps telling him he has to do it, whatever the issue is, this, for me, has become Graceman's team, even though the danger is still from Mbappe. Mm. I do believe that Mbappe is a fantastic player. He has been doing so well in the World Cup. But if you have to say smother from offense, I would say we do it from the root. We turn off the engine, and the engine is Griezmann. So I think I will start there with him. Well, that's that's it. Like I, you can imagine this team being set up. Assuming, say, let's say they keep the same setup as they had against Senegal, you can very much see a situation where you will have, say, Kyle Walker, Harry Maguire, Eric Dyer, and at least two of them at all times are designed for clamping down Mbappe. Mm. And then maybe um, Luke Shaw will come across an overlap or Declan Rice will try and intercept a pass somewhere. But if you were to try and close down Graysman as it stands, you would have to remove so much of the midfield that it suddenly becomes such a very different prospect that I think shutting down Mbappe is going to be the main thing England will focus on and the main thing they can focus on too. Mm. Who will you pick for England's biggest, uh, most peers uh, weapon against France? I think it's going to still be 
Jude Bellingham because mm. he's had such a standout performance. Like it's one of those things where you see him play in the Champions League because he's in Dortmund. So a lot of people don't really know how good he is for Dortmund, but the people see him play and he is great. And there's a lot of talk of, you know, he's going to come back to the Premier League. He's going to go here, going to go there, whatever. When you see him here and what he can do, the way he carries the ball, the way he can pick out Kane in front of him, Saka in front of him, Foden in front of him, with just the slightest, deftest of touch, and he's only like 19 years of age, I really feel like he is going to be the man of action through to get our ball moving throughout uh, the France defense. That's true. Wherever he goes, that will be after the World Cup. What is、yeah. your prediction for this、uh, quarterfinals game? Well, that's it. I, I can't bet against England, but I know this is going to be hard. I think this will really be the hardest game they faced, perhaps since the Italy final in 2018. Yeah.、Um, so I am going to say England to France one. Wow, that's a very close result. Yeah. Yeah. And I、mm-hmm. and I think it and I think it comes down to. Like, like I don't think Mbappe and Giroud can both be frozen for an entire game.、Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a case of England get two, perhaps not early, but two back to back, and then as the game progresses, France get back into it with Mbappe with Giroud. But I think England will just have enough quality. And Southgate will have enough tactical nous to keep the win. That's true. So for the other game, Morocco and Portugal, I would say though they、uh, upset Spain, Morocco will still be the underdog. Should they maintain the same strategy, same tactics against Portugal, which are a kind of different team from Spain? I think so because that their style of play in that game wasn't much different to the style of play they had throughout the rest of the tournament.、Mm-hmm. And you know when you look at the teams they played, Croatia, Belgium, Canada, that it's not the best. However, in all three games, well, if you if we go even further, all four games, the only goal that they conceded was an own goal,、mm-hmm. which was forced by Alfonso Davies, who was just bursting down the wing.、Yeah. So, what they have in play is the tactic that's got them. Four games because he's only one goal. Four games, three wins. However, Portugal are a much better team than anyone they faced before.、Mm-hmm. So while I can still see a situation where it's important to keep the、um, the tactics they've had before, they must know it's not going to be so simple because the whole thing with Morocco is move the ball as fast as you can.、Mm. Get it. You know the player that I've been reading a lot about as being the linchpin is one I'd never really heard before, which is Amrabat, who's the num- team's number four and plays as the central pivot. And a thing that is noticeable when you look back is that the way Morocco likes to play is these very fast wings:、uh, Masrouli to Bouffal on the left, Hakimi to Ziyech on the right. But then along the way, if they need a pivot, if they need a one-two, something through the middle, Amrabat will be floating around every single space, and he will get the ball going with just one touch, two touches to get it right the way up to the opponent's box. So it's almost like an X shape that they have to get the ball moving, and that's been so fantastic. However, 
it's reliant on space. And I look at this Portugal side and the number one thing players like Pepe, mm-hmm. Ruben Diaz, Carvalho will be looking to do is make sure the ball doesn't move. And we've seen Morocco be so good with their plan A. We don't know what their plan B is. So I suspect that they will be keeping their tactics. And if they can get their tactics free-flowing, it's going to work. But Portugal are so good at nullifying that sort of thing, it's going to be very, very difficult. Mm. Then for Portugal, should they keep their, uh, should I call it the new ace triangle of Felix, Brunette, uh, Bruno Fernandes, and uh, Ramos? Or they should really take much care of the ego of Cristiano Ronaldo and his followers, change the winning formula? It's 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 weird because Ronaldo has not been in form. Mm. However, they were still winning those games, and as good as Portugal were, you cannot forget that they were against the Switzerland side, which is just very chippy. Yeah, which is basically the total opposite of what uh, Morocco do. I think with his age and his type of like impact play. I keep Ronaldo on the bench for a while in this game mm-hmm. um, because, it, like, you know, they were winning beforehand, but when you put this team together against Switzerland, like you say, this new attacking triangle of Joao Felix, Gonzalo Ramos, and Bruno Fernandes, they are they were flowing so well, scoring so many goals, just being threatening with just the slightest of ease that you have to wonder if that's them in second gear, what can they do if they have to try? What can they do if they really have to push themselves? So if you start out with this, then decide later on, what about Rafael Leal? What about Cristiano Ronaldo? Then you at least have a base, you know, that's been successful you can develop from rather than bringing them on later and try to recreate the magic. I was, I think, judging by the uh, three group games in which Ronaldo started, he didn't really have the strength to play all 90 minutes. When the game entered the second half or the last 30 minutes, you could see he's wearing mm. out. Also, he, like you said, he's not in his best form, but if, say, he somehow gets his uh, good form back, it's still, I'm going to say he begins off the bench because, say, Morocco defended like they did against Spain for 60 or 70 minutes against Portugal, and then they run both sides run out of their energy. They were used to how the other side played. Suddenly, Ronaldo came to the field, played in such a different pace that Portugal or um, Morocco have never faced. Then he can be the game changer. He it mm-hmm. may be very easier for him to change the situation. So that should be in the benefit of both him and Portugal. See, I say he should really put aside his ego and do what's best for the team. Yeah, so that description you had then is a lot of what um, what uh, Belgium were doing in 2014, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. They would keep Lukaku on the bench with the idea of they just constantly play down the wings and play that style of football. And then when the opponents seemed like they were getting used to it, bring on the big man and put him right in the middle and suddenly they've completely switched up the nature of the attack you could very much see that here where you have such a direct player as Ronaldo 
that if you are in the 60th, 70th, 80th minute and Gonzalo Ramos' style of play is not working anymore, well, then you can completely switch it up with Ronaldo because he is the tip of the spear. So it makes a lot more sense to play that way. The only thing which I wonder is you look at the way Ramos scored those goals, particularly that, that first one where he just bullied it in, basically. Mm-hmm. And he is basically... He just, to me, just looked like Ronaldo, but 10 years younger, 15 years younger. Perhaps if it's a case of João Felix, you could replace him. But then that would put Ronaldo out on the wing, which is where he doesn't like to play anymore. So Mm. so that's it. The fact we're discussing this of where do you put Ronaldo rather than where do you put Bjostar Sob kind of sums up the issue this Portugal team has, where they have to basically balance the team versus the one star. So, what is your prediction for this game? I say, I I have Portugal. I'd say Portugal win this quite comfortably. I think if they can control the early phases and basically make sure that uh, Morocco can't move the ball, I think they could win this pretty clean. So, I'm gonna say three nil Portugal. Wow, three nil. That's a that's mm. a really big win. I would, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I disagree. But if say there's a miracle for Morocco, I mean that would be epic. Because when was the last time you saw an, an African team actually entering the semifinals of the World Cup? But that's, never. That's a very yeah. big year. Yeah. Yeah. Because and the thing is that I wonder is it's one of those things where if you're the underdog and momentum builds, that's one thing. But suddenly they've gone to being the representatives for Africa representatives for the Af- for the Arab world, which means that they are also the de facto mm-hmm. hosts in many ways because that's where a lot of the Qatari support lies. Yeah. And you're hearing about, you know, there's now 250 million people or something supporting them around the world. And you also read about how um, with the Spain game, the amount of support that Morocco had that kind of surprise Spain, whereas Portugal enjoy that underdog villain status. I don't really know if this accumulation of support from all around the Arab world, from all across Africa, is going to end up backfiring on Morocco, mm-hmm. putting too much pressure on them, and also firing Portugal up to be the team that ends the miracle. Yeah, it could be. And I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll be hearing from you guys very soon tomorrow. See ya. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.